Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And it looks like we are live. Mile high. Hello, everybody in Broncos country, and welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson. And joining me, as always, is my good friend and colleague. He is your Denver Broncos insider and mile high level senior NFL draft analyst, Eric Trickle. Eric, what up, though? How are we doing, man? I'm doing very fairly well, actually. I'm actually quite tired. Um, still haven't gotten over and rested from the whole draft week and everything. I'm still working on doing that, but just so swamped with other work that I've been doing and people are going to start seeing the results of that here over the next few weeks. So keep an eye out of that, especially if you're on YouTube. Yeah, it, there's a, there's a lot that's going to be going on. I'm going to be doing a kind of a schedule breakdown here soon. Uh, just kind of highlighting, you know, my know your enemy stuff that I was doing a couple of years ago and, and break down the acquisitions, just the way the rosters are shaking out. Hopefully you get like a, a, a roster projection for every for every team that the Broncos are going to play and just kind of break down what we're going to be looking at. I also got some film pieces that I'm working on right now that I got to kind of finish up. But anyways, guys today we're going to give you just a quick little uh schedule breakdown just our quick thoughts and opinions but then after that we're going to do a intro to scouting 101 kind of thing how to build a a grading scale and i'm going to have eric help us out with this a lot he's actually sent me a a, a document and we're going to take a look at it live on the on the screen today and he's going to break down how you build your grading scale uh, ways to set up points and stuff like that and everything like that but first guys before we get going make sure you guys do some just some quick matters of business here make sure you guys are following at dvdd underscore pod on twitter it's the easiest way for you guys to, to just keep up and, and keep in touch with what we're doing on the show every day uh, every friday and saturday before the show goes live i i usually throw out a link on there or a, a description of what we got going on and chad jumps in there as well and we all kind of run it together but it is the easiest way to make sure you know what is going on with the uh, with the show itself, also follow at Huddle Up Pod. Easy, uh, the same same thing there, guys. It's just the easiest way to keep up with the shows, all the shows. Building the Broncos Huddle Up as well. Also follow at Mile High Huddle, uh, so you guys can get instant breaking news updates and analysis on your Denver Broncos. Um, one more thing. Really fast. Uh, I don't have a banner for this one, but if you guys get a chance, make sure you subscribe, like, and share this video if you can. It's the easiest way to help us grow and uh, get our podcast in front of more viewers. Also, head on over to uh, huddleuppod.com to make sure that you guys can uh, get – I mean, we've got Dove Alley Deep Divers merch. We've got uh, we've got Building the Broncos. There's all kinds of new stuff up there, so make sure you guys head on over to that. But This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. 
They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Eric, just a quick uh, breakdown of the schedule really fast, and we'll say, say hello to some of, some of these people in the chat really fast. Bawana, obviously, in here running things in the chat. I saw we had Jeff Green, Paul, 8,026, uh, Dylan Von Arx, again, Terry, coming in from uh, up in Canada, showing that Broncos country is not just a geographic location. It is a state of being. So, But anyways, Eric, your thoughts. The, the schedule just got released yesterday, and your immediate thoughts were what? <laughs> I don't so a lot of the comments that I've seen is how scary it is how brutal it is and just how like hard it is for the Broncos and I just don't agree with that I'm not saying the Broncos are going to go and tear it up this next year and compete and all this stuff like that but the schedule doesn't scare me and one of the ways that you got to look at this is look at it at the quarterbacks that's that's where your teams are built around and just really quickly I mean Ryan Tannehill, Ben Roethlisberger. We have no idea what Ben Roethlisberger is going to be like. Tom Brady, who hasn't been the Tom Brady of old for a while now. You got Sam Darnold, Jarrett Stidham, Tua Tungo-Velo, or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not sure which. Like Of those first six games, I'm not overly scared of any of them. I'm sure Denver will drop one or two of those games. Just be, I mean, just because they always tend to drop a couple of them, and especially when they have to go to the East Coast. I'm just like going and taking in New York, taking on the Jets. I'm a little iffy there about that, despite Sam Darnold. But the other team is terrible. Like the Jets just don't have a good roster. And then Patrick Mahomes. Okay, yeah, there we go. Matt Ryan, mm, as good as he is, and I think he's a lot better than he gets gets credit for. Just there's always something wrong with the Falcons and that offense. Something always just seems to just happen. And some of it is Matt Ryan's fault, but a lot of it is more than his fault. Things out of his control. Las Vegas Raiders is going to be Derek Carr. It's going to be Marcus Mariota. Don't know yet. Chargers, Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert. Don't know yet. Drew Brees still can play, still can lead that offense. Again, back to Patrick Mahomes. Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater. Then we got Josh Allen. Then back to the unknown quarterbacks of the Chargers and the Raiders. So it's not a very scary roster to me because just – 
I don't know how these quarterbacks are going to be. I think that Denver really ends up like nine and seven, 10 and six. I can see the floor being seven and nine and their ceiling being 12 and four though, all depending on what this offense does. I think it's going to be a high variance offense because of how young they are one week. I mean, even one series, they can be playing lights out next series, just young mistakes. So I have that high range for it, but I think in the end they fall like right somewhere in the middle, either nine and seven or 10 and six. Yeah, I have them at nine and seven or ten and six as well, with three games that I'm really kind of keeping my eyes on. And I know the, the you and I had a, a discussion last night on our uh, on our group chat about the the Tampa Bay game week three. And this is just something that, like you just said, with the with the high variance, that as the is the offense going to boom for the Broncos? Is it, is it going to be just a bunch of struggles because there's a lot of young guys, a lot of young pieces, especially as the weapons go. Obviously, you got Cortland Sutton, but you have Judy and Hamler coming in. They're going to be playing a high volume of snaps there. They could probably lean on the running game a little bit with Melvin Gordon and uh, Philip Lindsay, especially against that defense. But it, it it is still Tom Brady. I mean, we he's not the Tom Brady of old. He's not the 35, 36-year-old Tom Brady that was lighting up the league all the time. But still, he's got a plethora of weapons to work with down there. We're not sure what Gronk's going to look like, but you've got Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin down there, O.J. Howard as well. Um, the, there's just... It's you never know with Tom Brady. You really don't. And yes, I understand he struggled in in Denver at times, and really for the majority well, of his career. Every time he's played in Denver, that's that's true. Yes, for the majority of his career, he struggled in Denver. But still, do you trust a a young guy that's going to have at the time seven total starts in the NFL with wide receivers that have a combined four seasons total between all of them, and that is including Noah Fant in there as well. So there's just so much youth and so much really unknown with the with the Broncos and their offense. Do you trust that the Broncos offense can keep and hold pace with the Tom Brady led uh, offense down in down in Tampa Bay? That's that's one thing that I'm watching out for. Also, I think that with with Matt Ryan, again, he doesn't get the credit that he has deserved. I think he's a lot better than people really give him credit for. Um, they've got a couple of really good weapons down there. Julio Jones. They've got the, the Calvin Ridley kid as well. So there's there's some stuff to really like down there. It's kind of a toss up game to me. We really don't know what it's going to look like. Um, and then the other one is Buffalo. You really don't know with Buffalo. They did a lot to upgrade that roster, getting Zach Moss in the draft to, to help out with Josh Allen and stuff like that. They, they, I wish they would have got a, went out and got another couple of weapons to work with, but still – that team with that with that defense, really, it, I mean, all ships float on that defense. And Josh Allen, you never know. He is a magician. He may not be the most solid quarterback, most consistent quarterback, but the dude knows how to make plays when it when the when the when it comes down to it. He knows how to make plays. And when if you have a quarterback that's capable of doing that, you never know what could happen with that team. Well, focusing on the Bucks, since we had this conversation last night and everything is you keep talking about can this young offense keep up with Tom Brady, which you got to factor in that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense isn't good. No. White and Shaq Barrett were their best two. That secondary is ripe for the picking. I watched all of their games just like, Oh man, that secondary. But anyways, so I think that, yeah, I, I will take Drew Locke in this young offense over Tom Brady's because I think that young offense is going to do much better against that Bucks defense than Tom Brady will in Denver against Vic Fangio's defense. Even though they have weapons, we don't know what Gronk's going to be like. We don't know how that offensive line is going to be like, which wasn't the best last year. It wasn't terrible either. And Tristan Warps is a nice addition for that. But we know that O.J. Howard, he doesn't have the usage to really be a fearful tight end in Bruce Arians' offense. We don't really know if Bruce Arians – I mean, I know he said it, but is he really going to adapt his offense to Tom Brady? Like, is he really? 
I mean, we hear coaches say this a lot, but does it happen all that often? It happens like 2% of the time. It's very rarely for that to happen. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. I'm taking that young offense. I mean, it's in Denver. Tom Brady has historically not played well in Denver. Von Miller has a tendency to get inside his head. I think that Von Miller against those tackles and Bradley Chubb added. I think that there's enough there with Vic Fangio. Most of the pieces on that defense being their second year in this defense, adding Jarrell Casey, upgrading that defensive line. I think that that defense can give Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fits. So I'm, yeah, I'm going to take that young offense. Yeah. And that's totally fair. I mean, it, it's it's dissenting opinions and it, football is extremely subjective, which is something we're going to get to here in just a couple of minutes. But before we do, I want to go out, give a shout out to the chat really fast. Bronx, Bronx legend jumping in with a $5 donation. Keep doing your things, guys. Hashtag state of being uh, Denver Broncos for life. Bronx, we appreciate it, man. Thank you very much for joining. And you're always so consistent, dude. I listen to the Huddle Up podcast all the time. Listen to the uh, Building the Broncos podcast as well, just to kind of keep up with what's going on with everybody's shows and just try to learn as much as I can still. And you are one of the guys that comes in all the time with just, again, so consistent $5 every time you come in, man, we appreciate it. We really do. Um, there was another one here that I want to grab, and then we're going to flip the conversation here and bring up oh. your computer screen. Uh, Before we get to that though, I, I, there's something else I want to address that's going on in the chat. Okay. So uh, Terry Randall coming in again from Canada, showing that uh, Broncos country is not a state of being. It is in fact a, or not a geographic location. It is, in fact, the state of being. Excuse me. Wildcard for sure. Hashtag Eric's tie rocks. Rocks. Hashtag state of being. Wow, I cannot speak today. Eric, can you ever, can you no. ever speak? No. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. Well, there seems to be this conversation going on in the chat about, and yes, chat, chat you have caught my attention, about Cam Newton and Denver benching Drew Locke and bringing in Cam Newton. This is the – no. Like, weirdest argument. I can't believe I'm having it. Cam Newton, he's a very fine player when he can stay on the field, but he can't stay on the field. Like, he just can't. He's fine when he's out there. That's great. Nothing wrong with the player. It's what it's the off field, the issues he's gotten into with coaches, the issues he has staying healthy, all this stuff like that. Are you going to, you're not going to give up on your young quarterback that you invested in? for a guy who can't stay on the field. Like, Cam Newton has great talent, but it's not a risk you, work, you, you take. It's just not. No, no. And, and as our friend Kenny Dietz just jumped in and said, Denver broke Cam in the Super Bowl. In Super Bowl 50, Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware and TJ Ward, all the guys at Denver Broncos defense absolutely destroyed Cam Newton. Because let's, let's remember back here really fast. They, they went 15-1 and one in that season. They were the offensive juggernaut and everybody, including my guy, Heath Evans, the guy that I probably can't stand the most in the media, comes out and says, if you, if you look at this game and pick anybody other than the uh, – other than the Carolina Panthers, then like if you think the Broncos stand any chance here, you're an idiot. Is essentially what he said. Is atrocious, atrocious take. Denver goes out there, blows out the blows out the the Panthers. Really, the, the score was a lot closer than that game would the, the the game would actually indicate. But still, at the same time, yeah, Cam Newton was broken after he faced the Broncos in Super Bowl Fifty. Jody, we're not talking about the left tackle today. Not no. talking about it. We spent enough time on it last week. Yeah, we, we spent a whole episode trying to defend Garrett Bowles and got called all kinds of crazy names. And man, I was, was trying to go an episode without saying the name, man. Wow. Uh, it's, <laughs> I can't read minds. I can't even read my mind half the time, all right? Stop. Stu, Stu coming in here. 
Off the top rope, $20 donation. Thank you, Stu. We see you, big dog. Go Broncos. Absolutely, go Broncos. Now, let's move this conversation forward just a little bit. I got some plans going. I'm going to go see my folks this weekend, so we're going to kind of not really keep this short. We'll, we'll keep talking with you guys as long as we can, but do keep in mind I have a three-hour drive after this. So, Eric, let's get to this grading scale really fast here. I'm going to add your screen in here, and if you guys can see this, it's a little hard to read just because it's so small, but Eric, break this down. What do you got going on here for us? So this isn't exactly what I use, guys. I always use notebooks. I don't use things on the internet. I'm weird like that. I use notebooks, handwritten, and note cards. That's how I do all my scouting. And I have my whole formula laid out and everything like that there. And so I had to go and adjust it a little bit to make it work into a Google Sheet real quick, just to kind of show, give an idea. We talked about this. We talked about this a little bit last week. We teased it a little bit that we're going to be doing this. Well, here it is. So hopefully you guys enjoy this a little bit, especially you guys have an idea about or a, a desire to get a little bit into scouting a little bit more. So when we look at it is this is for a standard college thing. Um, different uh, different people have a little bit different things, but basically you kind of have a the, the same kind of thing. So obviously in the middle or wherever you want to position it is you're going to have the player, what position they play and what school. Obviously those are the big three things that you have to look for when you're scouting a player. I mean, you can't sit there and not have that because then people won't know who you're talking about. Then you have your positives, your negatives and your overall. That's the center position of this sheet. Those are the big things. That's what you're the main talk that you're talking about. Well, then on the left-hand side of it, we start off with games watched. You want to talk about, mention what games you watch because it also comes important. It becomes important because maybe when you watch a prospect, and here's my minimum. is It's a minimum of five games for me. I want to watch what their best game statistically was, their worst game statistically was. Their, one of their games at least from the previous year to get an idea of how much they grow. And two other games that typically I get pointed to just because either A, so-and-so felt that they had a really good game but didn't show up great statistically, but not terribly statistically or something like that, just two other open games. So typically my minimum is five games. If I don't watch five games of a player, they don't actually get a grade, just how it works. And then you also want to keep track of what grades, what games that they play for, just so that way, if you decide that you want to go back and watch them, you're watching other games for a different reason. Top right, you have your player stats, what year, what they did. Obviously that's a big thing here. But we're going to go back to this left side, this bright green area over here where it says traits. And this is where the grading system really comes in handy. And this is where the personalization of it really comes, comes into play here. Because you, ha as a scout, have to decide what's more important to you than what other things. For some, for some, like this is this is a standard for like things that I look for for an offensive lineman. I have a little bit more personally, but it's more in depth. But for me, Obviously, as you can see, is I think that the footwork and the hands, that's a little bit more important than their kick slide or their grip strength, things that can be worked on. Their versatility as well is not as important as other things. Character, that varies team to team. Like Everybody looks for different things in a prospect. So that's why some, some of these things that the points are out of 20 compared to out of 10 because of what I feel is important for me. I mean – for me, maybe footwork is more important, but maybe for Lance, the kick slide is more important or the grip strength is more important. Or maybe hands are even more important to him than they are for me. So there's that's where a the big personalization of it all comes into play. Then you go, you add up your tallies. You can, you can sit there and figure out how much points you want to give out. For, for me, with my grading system, based off of my trickle grading scale that I have for the NFL, 
It's out of 100 points. I moved it up to 250 just to kind of show off a little bit better about this down here, about your score. Oh, let me scroll down a little bit. Your score equaling the grade. So for this, out of 250, I just kind of threw numbers at the wall for this one. If they're grading out at 29 or below, they're an undrafted free agent. If their grade comes in 30 to 69, seventh round, 70 to 99, sixth round, and so on and so forth in increments of 30. So that's where that comes in. Then on this other side, on the right side, real quick, just to wrap this up about this, you have a spot for your measurables. You have over here, so you have player stats, then your their best scheme. So for an offensive lineman, some offensive linemen are better for a zone scheme compared to a zap or power scheme. So you want to sit there and talk about which scheme fits them best. Another thing is, which position fits them best? Not every offensive tackle in college is the best fit at offensive tackle in the NFL. Not every guard in college is the best fit at guard in the NFL. So what, based off of what traits they have, where do they best translate to the NFL? So you want to posi- you want to put that down out there as, okay, so he played tackle here, he played left tackle here, but he's a guy that maybe right tackle might be his best position just because of some issue that he has with his game overall that makes it so he can't play, isn't isn't the best fit at left tackle. Then you have the measurables. All right, what's their height? What's their weight? What do they do at the combine? Stuff like that. There's a little section for that, obviously, because that stuff also gets taken into effect for all this stuff like that. And typically, normally, I don't have it on here, but for me, at least, there is a thing that I do to convert what they do at the combine over to a points, and the points also get taken into effect into my overall grade. On my personal one, this isn't totally reflective of my own personal one. Then you have a spot for where it says notes, notes, notes over here. Now, what this is, is this is talking about, like, say, um, say this offensive lineman that this card is set up for played left tackle his freshman year, then played left guard, then center, then right tackle, or whatever, whatever positions they are. That's something that you would want to put note. It's not, it's a positive for versatility, and it's, added points for versatility, but you want to note where all he played, when he played. That's where this would go here. Personal notes awards. Um, was this guy the considered the best offensive lineman in college for a year? Was he considered the best offensive lineman on his team? Was he a team captain? Things like that. That's where that goes. Medical history. Does he have, uh, this is pretty self-explanatory. Does he have any major injuries or any injuries at all? How many games he missed as a result? Things like that. Team specifics. This is one where, for me, in my case, I work for Mile High Huddle. For Sports Illustrated, I'm covering the Denver Broncos. I'm going to have a section in all my scouting reports about this player specifically in relation to the Denver Broncos. If I covered the Packers, then it would be how they fit specifically with the Packers. Then last final spot, anything else, any other kind of concerns or any other notes worth having? Um, was he suspended? Was there a fight with a coach? Was there a fight with another player? Things like that. That's where I'm typically putting character and stuff like that at. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, first things first, I'm going to sit back and just... Well done. Well done, my friend. Everybody, like the so far, the chat is blowing up with this about how amazing this is. First off, Jeff Green coming in saying this is intense, and also, do you do this on flashcards and notebooks, Eric? 
Yes, actually. If you give me a second. Oh. And here he goes. He's running away to go get his, his well, draft rating. Made, made a thing about, oh, no, not notebook, note cards. Those, these are note cards, and this is just about half of it of all the players that I scouted from this last year. This is about half the note cards that I used. And then sitting, I think it's, they're pretty sure they're out in my living room, is about five, maybe six notebooks of used things about filling up about just the different players. Man. Dude, again, James Campbell coming in from across the pond. This is awesome. Everybody is absolutely loving this. Now, there was one thing that I did see in this chat, and I want you to kind of, if you can, help me out here just a little bit and go and zoom in on that big green area. Let's see everything that you're looking for is just as far as the traits are concerned. I know you've got hand placement, you've got footwork, you've got the kick slides, you've got everything like that, hit fluidity and everything. I mean, this is a very comprehensive list. I had this in front of me the other day. See if you can't scroll into that and make it a little bit easier for everybody to read. Because um, I did see that there was a comment that uh, it was it was hard to read even with somebody's glasses on. So just go ahead and run yeah. down that for really fast. So I set this up for an offensive lineman. It's the easiest one to set it up for and typically takes a little bit less. So, I mean, footwork, you want to look at the offensive lineman. Footwork is pretty important for their overall for their overall player. That's typically where you can get an idea of, how, of where the player is going to play. How is their footwork? Their hands, another big important thing. Are they keeping it up? Are they dropping it to their knees and then bringing them up? How's their punch? Things like that. Then their balance. Are they leaning forward? Are they leaning back? Are they leaning to their sides? Because this can be a big factor when dealing with certain pass rush moves. Pass sets, how natural do they look in their pass set? Drive block. Can they sit there and generate the power with their legs to drive defenders off the line of scrimmage and create push? Double teams, there's a lot more to double teams than just two people blocking a guy. There's a lot more technical work, a lot more awareness for it. How well are they and how effective are they at just executing that? Let's pick up. Say initially there's only two initial rush, rushers on the defense on the down on the line, and then a safety comes off. That right tackle, how good is he at picking up that, that blitz, seeing him and just getting into position to keep up with him? Awareness. Again, this kind of goes in with the blitz pickup a little bit, but it's also it's more than just picking up blitzes. The stunts, the twists, stuff like that. How are they good at doing that? Of reading that there's a delayed blitzer coming from the from the linebacker position, or seeing off to their side that the cornerback is showing a blitz. How how good are they at that picking all that stuff up? Or say they pancake their blocker. How good? How aware are they to sit there and see like, oh, hey, this guy, this my right guard is struggling with his block. I'm going to go help pick him up and still keep, an, keep the awareness out for everything that's going on around him. Athleticism. This is actually a pretty big thing for tackles. Is You don't want to be a pure athlete at offensive tackle, but you do want to be a decent athlete out there. Or guard as well, because, I mean, if you're going to be, especially in a zone scheme, athleticism is the big one about where it determines where you're best suited at in terms of scheme. Power scheme, you're not going to be as athletically gifted as you are going to be for a zone scheme. Run blocking, pretty obviously. Kick slide, how how smooth is their kick slide? Do they have false steps in their slide? Stuff like that. Grip strength. Can they get onto their hold and latch on without giving up the pressure? That's actually a big point because they got to be able to do that without getting called for the hold. There's a lot more to grip strength too. Medical, how have they sit on the field? Have they missed more time than they played? This is what actually with Nathaniel Mutui, this is or Nathaniel Mutai, Moody, sorry. And just trying to, I've been trying to practice pronouncing these names and just been struggling with it. But this is where he took a big hit. He actually scored a zero out of zero or zero out of 10 for me in medical because he's only played 19 games in four years. It's a huge thing. It really hurt. It ended up hurting his grade pretty drastically and kept him and actually ended up seeing him before 
other things were taken into consideration. It kept him from being an actual early second round pick and being a late second round pick for me. Position scheme versatility. Are they able to play both scheme or multiple schemes? Are they able to play multiple positions? That's a pretty big factor. And then character. Uh, you want a good dude. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. So got some questions rolling in here, and I'm just going to let you just keep rolling with this, dude. This is Dove Valley Deep Divers, and we are in very in-depth mode. First off, this is very in-depth. This is showing you essentially a little bit behind the curtains of what Eric Trickle does on a day-to-day basis. I know Eric very well. I've been talking to him for the last, oh, about a year and a half or so. And not only does he put his opinions and stuff like that in our group chat and everything like that, he does tell me exactly kind of what he's doing. He's at work. He's watching some film. When he's at home, he's got some film going on all the time. The guy watches, what, 60 hours a week of film, roughly, something like that? Roughly, yeah. So 60 hours a week, that's more than most people work in their regular daytime jobs. Uh, Eric is actually doing this. So James coming in here, just a question, Eric. How important is athleticism to you? Obviously, the tape is the most important, but things like the relative athletic score, I do find to be quite useful. What can you speak about that? I know what the relative athletic score is. It takes their their measurables, their height, weight, arm length, stuff like that, and it takes the numbers and testing the results from the combine pro days and stuff like that to come up with a relative athletic score. How athletic is this guy for his size specifically? And that's, that's what that relative athletic score is. Do you use that in your grading scales? I actually do. And when it under my measurable section of it, there's actually a spot specifically for the RAS because athleticism does play a factor for all positions, some positions a little bit more so, some schemes a little bit more so. So to really answer your question is how important is it to me? It depends on the position. It depends on the scheme. Obviously, at say cornerback, I value off I value off at I value athleticism a little bit more than at safety. I value athleticism a little bit more at edge linebacker than I do off-ball linebacker. So it really depends on where it is. But, yeah, athleticism definitely is a factor. I know it says only 20 on the thing, but I kind of did it backwards. I put my out of to- my total, the out of 250, before that, and then just kind of went down. And by the time I got down to athleticism, I – wait, no, it is out of 20. Never mind. I thought it was only out of 10. But, yeah, athleticism, athleticism it really comes down to what position. Yeah. And that's, that is very specific. It's also very subjective. Like some guys like me, I, I going back to Bryce Hall drink the, the, just the athletic ability that he has playing on the outside. I think he's a little bit better suited because he's not hip fluid enough to play on the outside, get him in the box, use him as that nickel defensive back. This is another episode we're going to get into here in the next couple of weeks, that nickel defensive back role, play him inside, play him a little bit outside, get him off the ball and let him come forward and make tackles. I think just because his limited athletic upside there is, is better suited a little bit closer to the football, especially coming forward in the running game. But uh, I want a beast, man. Don't do that to me. Do grades matter? I don't think so, man. Come on. Grades matter. Grades, of course they matter. Now, this is this episode is not only helpful for our fans, it's also helpful for myself as well. Now, the way that I do my prospect rankings, I don't actually do a grading scale. I've never actually built a grading scale and worked it that way. I always just say, all right, well, I like this one a little bit better because he's better this way, but better that way. So how do you value that is the biggest question that I have always had for people is how do you build your grading scale? How do you determine your point grading system and which, which traits do you value more? more than others. So this goes into this next question from Bawana Beast. I'm curious as to why you have the kick slide lower. Just curious because that sometimes has to do with measurable, but could be coached up too. How do you make that distinction in comparison to just the overall footwork of the player? So 
with the kick slide is so trying to figure out the best way to explain this so a lot of the kick slide deals with your footwork so footwork obviously that's going to cut into the kick slide grade a little bit but if they it's if they don't look supernatural with their kick slide then it's not something that's a killer for a prospect we've i've seen multiple offensive tackles come into the nfl with a weird or unnatural kick slide and be effective um i'm trying to think who it was there's actually a hall of fame tackle that uh Everybody, like all these offensive former offensive tackles, sit there and talk about it. And I can't remember what his name is, but his kick slide was super weird, but it was effective. So, kick slide isn't an end all be all for a prospect, which is why something that is not as important for me. And when there are some technical issues with it, it's something that can be coached up. And, real quick, for the people that are asking about the whole schedule thing, that's how we started off our show. As yeah, we started talking about about the schedule reveal, we gave our quick thoughts about that. As soon as they're done with the with the scouting thing a little bit, I'm sure we'll take a few more questions about the schedule if you guys have them. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, I I was actually just about to grab that up and say, hey, if you if you missed our thoughts on the schedule reveal, make sure you rewatch this video, like, subscribe, share, do whatever you got to do. Yeah. Go back and rewatch the video because we did spend just a little bit of time on that at the beginning of the show. So. And- and we didn't want to spend too much time on it because Chad and Zach, they're sitting there. They did a whole podcast on it last night. And yep. then I can't speak for Lance, but I know for myself, I have a bunch of stuff coming that will be talking specifically about the schedule. Yeah, I have I have game by game breakdown over the next at least one a week over the next 16 weeks to break down just how these other teams are looking in relation to what the Broncos are going to be doing. Breaking down the the opponent, knowing your enemy. That was a big thing that I used to do uh, when I first started with Mile High Huddle was to do a scouting a, a scout's eye preview of the of the upcoming opponent every single week. I'm going to do a, a a quick one of that break down the AFC West as well. So there's going to be a lot of schedule stuff coming out. Make sure you guys go over to MileHighHuddle.com and get all of that. You're going to see all. All these written articles, not only for me, I, I guarantee you, Eric's going to have some stuff. Chad, Zach, all the guys are going to have some stuff uh, on every upcoming game and stuff like that. So, if you if you want more schedule breakdown stuff, go check out Zach's video. But for here today, this was exactly what we wanted to do: was break down how do you build your grading scale? How what what is the what is the insides and outsides of becoming a scout and really getting to know the NFL draft more than just reading other people's opinions? Why not make your own? So. Getting back to that really fast. Last one, then we're going to get some more questions here if we can. Um, James Campbell, how do you guys get play-by-plays for a given prospect? I know if Caddy's cut up, Caddy, uh, Caddy the Lama, I believe his name on, on YouTube, but player versus videos are a lot harder to find since draft breakdown shut down, even more difficult from England. I never actually took that into consideration there because that is exactly how I do it. I just go onto YouTube and do so-and-so versus this game 2019, and it brings up – Here's six or seven different games. You can do 2017, stuff like that. That's the easiest way that I have found to do any kind of scouting as far as watching players. Now, Eric, I'm not sure about you. Is that the way that you kind of go about things? Are you watching full games and over and over and over again? Are you looking at a prospect list that you already have compiled? Because I know the way that you do the NFL draft is you have guys that are eligible for not only 2020, but also 2021, kind of getting that list broken down. Some guys that that were eligible in 2020, but decided to move into 2021, guys Guys like Alaric Jackson, the left tackle at Iowa. Uh, guys like Alex Leatherwood, the left tackle at Alabama. I know you've got a list of those kind of players as well. So how do you find your film? 
A lot of it is YouTube and just Google because there are other video sources out there besides YouTube that have some of these cut-ups out there. And But for the most part, if I'm not able to find a cut-up, I'm watching a full game of it. I also do have some people that will sit there and send stuff to me, send like recordings of the games and stuff like that. If I can't find it on YouTube, they have it recorded. They'll send it to me. They'll email a thing for it, and I'll sit there and watch it that way as well. So it's just a wide range of things. But for the most part, it is off of YouTube. Yeah. All right, another quick question here from Robert Caslow. Is there a difference between Twitch and explosiveness? I'm going to take this one away really fast. There, there is, but not really. It's a lot of the same thing. Twitched up guys, very athletic guys, quick first step explosive players. Yes, there is a difference, but really to me it's not. I don't see it. I, I don't see the difference. There, There is. Okay, so there is a difference, but it's not a super huge difference. For me, anyways, I mean, it could be talking a little bit different, but Twitch for me is like it's lateral explosiveness is it's north and south. So east west for Twitch, uh, north south for explosiveness. How explosive are they getting off the ball? How explosive are they getting up and getting upfield? Twitch, okay, if they can get upfield quickly, how do they have the twitch to cut inside around the inside of the tackle because they overset? Can they get in there and get that pressure up the front? So that's the that, that's that's the difference there. It's basically lateral to vertical. Yeah. And that's fair. I, my thing is it just it, the explosiveness. How explosive are you? How can you cut in and out? Twitch explosiveness is a pretty well universal in the way that I look at things. So it, according to you, it's really not much of a difference anyways. Uh, let's see here. Go grab another couple different things here. Run about 33 minutes right now. We did have a super chat. I'll go grab that real quick. Oh, I missed that. I do apologize. So, you know, we- David David Kilgore comes in with the four dollar ninety nine donation. If the left tackle, not saying his name, tanks this year, what left tackle could we look at in either free agency or the draft? Um, actually, still have the note sitting next to me about tackles for next year and the next year's draft. Um, there's actually some good ones, guys. I haven't watched like. Jackson Carmen uh, and Will Fries. I can't really speak about how good they are. Obviously, I haven't watched them yet. But um, Penai Sewell, Sewell, the Oregon left tackle, he's the best non-quarterback in next year's draft. He's fantastic. Unless Denver gets top three pick, I don't think they have a shot at him. Walker Little, he's a guy who I think is better inside. Samuel Cosme, I, 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 he, he's one that's tough for me. I don't really like him at tackle, but I don't think he's going to be good at guard either. Alex Otherwood, I like him at tackle. I think he could be really good at guard as well. There, Munford, Liam Eichenberg, Larry Jackson, Colvin Lannon. Those are all other names to keep an eye on for the tackle thing in terms of the draft. As for free agency, I actually haven't don't know who's going to be free agents at the tackle position next year. Um, just not something that I've looked at yet. But there are definitely options for Denver. If I mean, it's not even it, whatever happens with that left tackle with number 72. is You have to keep an eye on what happens with Jawan James, too, because if he gets hurt again, I think it's pretty safe to say that Denver will part ways, part ways with him. And then they'll be in in position of needing a right tackle potentially as well as a left tackle. Yeah, I'm not sure. Really, don't know. It just the the I'm still kind of bent on the whole fifth year option thing. I, I really <laughs> let's just, not get uh, into that. I know, I know. I'm sorry. It, the The video of Jason Peters though. Here's an interesting question for you. What did you think of that? Did you get a chance to see that? No. No, you didn't. Okay, so it was just a bunch of athletic stuff. Uh, working on his kick slide, showing that he's still um, still capable of it and able he's to move. Still thirty eight like years old. Yep. And, and 
I, I understand the want to come out and get a swing tackle, a guy that can come in and play if somebody, something does happen. And especially, as you said, it's more of a, a Jawan James kind of a thing. You never really know. At least Garrett Bowles is going to play all 16 games. You pretty much have that nailed down fact that he's going to play all 16 games. He hasn't missed a game yet. He, he missed a little bit of time with a high ankle sprain his rookie year. But still, at the same time, the guy's a solid player. He's, he's at least going to be there for you. He might have a couple holding penalties, but at least you know what you're going to get out of the guy. But Jawan James, you have no idea. Is he actually going to play? Play. I mean, he only played 100 snaps last year, not even 100 snaps last year. 63. Thank you. So he only played 63 total snaps last year, and there was no impact at all. So the the negative impact out of that was you got to, you got to see Elijah Wilkinson give up, what, 10 sacks, I think it was, that he gave up last year. It's absolutely atrocious, man. And everyone's hating on Garrett Bowles, but Elijah Wilkinson's really the, the hind end of the offensive line. I could see a guy coming in like a Jason Peters, a Cordy Glenn. I, I get that. I totally understand it. But don't make it as like a, a replacement guy. He's going to come in, compete for the backup, that swing tackle spot. He's going to take over if somebody gets hurt, if some drastic injury happens, and he's not going to be the, the guy that's going to beat out and be a starter. This whole uh, this whole Elijah Wilkinson left tackle composition deal, dropping the dropping the uh, uh, the, the fifth year option stuff like that. All that's trying to do is just light a fire under the guy and, and get him to play a little bit better. But at the same time, like I said, he's still very solid. So I, I don't understand that kind of line of thinking. Man, oh. we, couldn't, we couldn't get through one thing without mentioning his name, Lance. Man, or going on a, or going on a tangent about it. I'm but sorry, anyways, James. James, don't worry. I won't tell Nick and Carl that you think. Oh, no, it's, is it's the going best. up right Not really. now. We're, we're going we're to sit there. I'm going to message oh, him yeah. right now. Yeah, no, this one, this one, I, I will screenshot this right here and send it specifically oh. to Nick Kendall, just because it's you, James. Just because it's you. So just to throw this out there is, guys, we constantly are ribbing the other guys on here, especially Nick and Carl. Yeah. They're really good friends of ours. We're constantly ribbing them about this stuff. Like every every time that we get a comment about, oh, they're that for one reason or another, they don't like them or whatever, or they like us better. Like we're, we're always bringing it up and they do the same thing. It's all love between all of us. Yeah. Except for that. Got another another super chat coming in from James, actually, uh, across the pond with a five-pound donation here. How did you both get into scouting? Do you have any recommended books? Again, I really find this so fascinating and really appreciate your insight. Hey, dude, we appreciate you jumping in and, and joining in the chat and everything like that. Amazing questions, by the way. Amazing questions. Now, for me, there was, there was a uh, – it was about my – See, I was a senior in high school, I believe, when I really got started into the scouting and watching, not really doing the grades and stuff like that, but finding a bunch of players that I really liked and wanted to see going to the Denver Broncos. And the one specifically, the guy, and I, I love him to death. I really wish that the Broncos could have worked out something with him to get him back on the roster this year, despite going out and getting the young wide receivers. But Demarius Thomas, he was my guy at Georgia Tech. And I pounded the table on multiple different websites, on multiple different forums, just saying, you know what, this is the guy you really need to watch out for and remember this is a draft with des bryant there as well and there was a lot of broncos fans that said yeah the raw the raw upside is great but des bryant's a more refined product i'm like yeah but des bryant's a head case and look at how it kind of turned out who had the more successful career in your opinion in mine i'm going with demarius thomas at least the guy made a super bowl he, he has records for the most catches in, in a, a single super bowl game like there's there's a lot to like about the guy and des bryant completely faded away like after after he caught it after he caught it, he faded away into oblivion. So to answer the question about how long I've been into scouting, um, it was I was 13 years old, which was 15 years ago. Man, that makes me feel it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Um, 
at first, obviously, I wasn't very good. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I just read a bunch of books. There is there's a list out there actually. Um, I'll have to try and Google it and give it to you via Twitter or something, James. But yeah, there's a list that has like a hundred different books that are just great reads. I've got a good majority of them sitting out in my living room. Um, just great reads to sit there and just develop your ability to scout what to look for, how to break down tapes, all this stuff like that. I'm trying to remember what the bet, what the first one was I got. Um, but yeah, it was the, it was the best one. And it's definitely the one that's re- that everybody I've spoken to recommends reading that one first. I'll have to try and find that list for you and tweet it out there. But yeah, there's a lot of things, but yeah, I got into it back when in 2005 and um, I can't remember. I, we had this conversation a little while ago too, but, uh, but there was something and I just can't remember what all it was and just really got into it and decided I wanted to get better and better and better that no Sean Marino, like that was the first year I real that year we drafted him was the first year I really got into it and really decided that, Hey, this is something that I actually really want to do going forward. And then I walked into Chad finding me in a comment section and here I am. Yeah. Yeah. All right, David Kilgore coming in with a $5 super chat. There's one more comment I want to grab here just because of what I do. So David Kilgore coming in with a $5 donation. Do you guys see us going after Clowney for defensive end depth? No. Plain and simple, no. The the price tag's not worth it. The the he's never really stepped up to that first that first overall pick billing. He's a solid player, but still there's 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 a lot to like about the guy, but I just I don't see it. The, the Broncos, first off, they're not going to have the money. The price tag is way too high for them. Uh, secondly, I don't see the fit in Vic Fangio's scheme at all. I just don't. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Davion Clowney. I think he's a very solid he's a very solid edge player. Depending on what scheme he is, depends on where he's at. And yeah, I know I look a lot older. I get that quite a bit. It's all it's because I'm fat. That's <laughs> because I'm fat. All right. Jody coming in here. I want to grab this really fast because this it's is Coke because he worked for Coke there. I, I am a semi driver. I'm a delivery driver for Coke. I'm out on the front lines in this whole situation. We will not name, but I drink Coke and Coke only. All right. Uh, Orange Cross coming in with a $5 donation. The tight end room seems crowded. Do you see any other positions where the, uh, the, where the Denver Broncos will be cutting good, good players? Are they, really, are they really going to be cutting good players from the tight end room? I mean, let's just get into this. I mean, Jake Butt, he hasn't stayed on the field. Uh, Troy Fumagalli, what has he shown? I mean, he's supposed to have the best hands, but he's had like three drops. Um, let's see, what else was there? Um, I can't remember. Austin Fort, who got hurt last year. Um, who else? I know, I know, I'm Jeff Hireman. Like, Jeff Hireman, Troy Fumagalli, Bug he, Howard. Nope, they cut Bug Howard already. Oh, oh they did. I didn't. I yeah. didn't see that. Jeff, Jeff Hireman. I mean, who's a solid number three tack, tight end who they never should have re-signed last year, and mm-hmm. I got a lot of heat for saying that. Like, I don't know. I don't think that the tight end room is all that great as it is, which is one reason why the Albert Okawebunam pick actually makes good sense. One of the few reasons, but it's a good reason for it. Yeah, I, I just I don't see the the fit with the two tight end scheme there. If they're going to look for a guy that's going to come in and be that blocker, Nick Vanette is probably my guy. However, I do want to speak specifically to Austin Fort. Get kind of your take on this. And yes, this is the Wyoming bias in me coming out uh, from Gillette, Wyoming, played at the University of Wyoming. Um, but the thing is, they didn't really use him as like a pass catching tight end. He only had I think like seven or eight total catches uh, at the University of Wyoming. He comes in and start, just blows up in training camp last year. They were giving him first team first team reps 
with Joe Flacco throwing him the football. And he goes out, and, it, and in, I believe it was in the Seattle Seahawks game in the preseason, he tore his ACL. So is there a chance that if the, if the Broncos do keep four tight ends, if they are going to keep, obviously, Noah Fant, Nick Vanette, Albert O, is, is Austin Fort a dark horse on the roster? Because I believe that he is. No. If they keep four tight ends, Andrew Beck. Just because he has that versatility to play fullback, Austin Ford. They don't. They don't. I. They don't feel that same way about Austin Ford. Andrew Beck has that. Andrew Beck has shown that he can stay on the field. He. They believe that he could be a very similar player to what Nick Vanette is. So if they keep Ford, you're looking at Noah Fant, Albert Okwebenam, Nick Vanette, and Andrew Beck. That's fair. I just I see the the versatility with Austin look for, Ford, especially look for, look for him to make the practice squad. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I think he's going to make the practice squad regardless, but I thought that he could actually be a guy that would be that that fourth tight end kept on the, the official 53-man to open the season. So just based on what we saw last year and the the blocking, and then the University of Wyoming did actually use him as a fullback at times, so there is some versatility there. Um, let's see here. God, we were getting some wild questions tonight. <laughs> Sorry, just how you said wild is just just a little weird there, man. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me go grab this really fast. I gotta I gotta find this. Bulldogs, nineteen ninety two, coming in on Twitch. What's y'all favorite Disney movie? Like that's Mulan. Mulan. Uh, I'll make a man out of you, man. That's that's my favorite song of all of Disney, man. I love Mulan. <laughs> that's a that's a good one. Um, well, actually, since Star Wars is part of Disney now, Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. If you can't tell based off of all the Star Wars pop figures that are over there. And there's a lot of Marvel, too, so Marvel's right up there. So if, if we're going that way, Star Wars. Yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, Hercules is big up on me. Um, I also, like, my favorite movie growing up was Aladdin, so I, I guess I have to go in that direction. But, all right, uh, let's see here. Hey, Nad, absolutely. You ever heard, you ever heard of anybody uh, – Asking for a Jack and Pepsi? No, it's Jack and Coke. Oh, Jack and Coke. Ned, thank you for your donation earlier. I did catch it. I forgot to grab it. I went to look up to go grab it, and it disappeared on our chat. But thank you again for your $2 donation, Ned. We really appreciate that. And we see you consistently, not in just ours, but everybody else's, of jumping in, and we really all appreciate that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I missed it completely. I was more focused and listening on what you were actually saying. And I, I do miss that. That's a terrible way to be a host, actually, to miss the Super Chats. I do apologize for that now. All righty, guys. Uh, let's see here. Eric, we're running about 46 well, minutes. Do we want to keep going for another couple minutes if we can get another if, couple of questions here? Or do we want to kind of wrap this up for tonight? Ahsoka Tano is the best as person. I can definitely agree with that. Um, if you guys have some questions about the schedule or the scouting thing that we talked about, go ahead and ask them. We'll take a few more. And Vinny P actually came in. Do you guys think we can split with the Chiefs this year? I think we can win the game at home. I don't. I think that there's just so many, such a high variance with the Broncos offense, and the defense still has enough concerns. I don't know if they can slow down Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense, even at home in Denver to sit there and split the series. If they did, I'd be shocked, and I would absolutely love it. I don't think they can this year. I think this is a team that is built more for 2021 season, using this year to develop the offense and let them gel together and then go on to next year and actually potentially to clip. Well, and I agree with that, especially looking at what the Kansas City Chiefs did after winning the Super Bowl this year. They returned their unrestricted free agents from this last year's team. Did did I break out? Yeah, you cut out. Someone someone glitched out really bad there. So I 
I, I apologize for that, guys. Uh, so what I was saying was going back to seeing what the, the Chiefs did in free agency after winning the Super Bowl, they went out and signed a whole bunch of guys that they had on that Super Bowl winning roster. They have a, a lot of the same team members. Then they went out and they get Clyde edwards Lair in the first round, that do-it-all kind of running back that they really need in that system. Damian Williams is a solid player. Don't get me wrong. I love the speed there as well. But Clyde edwards Lair is a lot better, especially as a pass catcher, especially as a pass blocker. So he, he gives that, that offense another dynamic weapon to work with and look at just what happened last year even with the with the Broncos playing Kansas City in Denver I mean Patrick Mahomes dislocated his kneecap and the Broncos still got blown out and yes that was with Joe Flacco starting the game and then they go into Kansas City in snow which yeah it's Drew Locke's what third game I believe as a starter and playing in the snow in Kansas City in that raucous environment in December it's one of the hardest places to play which is why I hate that week 13 game for the Broncos playing December 6th at Arrowhead again the Broncos are going to be playing in, in Arrowhead in December it's one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. I don't see that the Broncos are going to be able to keep up. That team is just too good right now. They really are. And with the, even with the defense in, in accord the way they are right now, with with A.J. Bouye coming in to be that number one cornerback, there's a lot of depth concerns with the cornerbacks there as well. Depth at the, at the third safety position, I really don't like it. Michael Ojemudia having to go against guys like Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins coming over the middle of the field, Travis Kelsey again with the coverage linebacker still being an issue. I don't see the Broncos being able to beat the Chiefs this year. If they do, I will be pleasantly surprised, though. So, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with all that. But Jody came in. Eric, do you own clip-on ties? Actually, I do. They're all for work. I don't ever wear them on this. And the reason why I have to wear them for my day job is I actually work security. And the reason why we have to wear a clip-on is because if somebody gets mad and they pull, the clip-on ties just pop right off. They can't yank us around by that. But that's the only reason why I own clip-on ties. Otherwise, I prefer tie them. Although this one, I believe... No, this one is a tied one. I also have zipper ones, which I hate as well. Bolana, you can lie to your friends. I'll lie to mine. Let's just not lie to each other, okay? That is not (laughs) what you meant. That is not what you meant. All right. Uh, See here. Oh, I like this one. Robert Castle. Which AFC team has the best defense besides the Broncos? Ooh. Well, a lot of teams actually have a better defense than the Broncos. The Broncos don't have the best defense in the AFC. But if you want to look at the, the best defense in the AFC, I mean, you still got to see them on the field. But, man, those Ravens, that Ravens defense, man, like they have so much talent mm-hmm. at every level of that field. It's hard not to say that they're not that best defense. Like, man. That, that defense I, is I really scary. I don't think the Chargers or – or the Steelers are anywhere near that level of their defense. They've got talent, but, I mean, with the Steelers, most of the talent's in that front seven. With the Chargers, like, their talent's decently spread out, but they have some major weak areas. But, man, that Ravens defense, that is something. Yeah, I was just about to say that Chargers defense is pretty scary, but they have some de- they have some definite concerns in, at the linebacker position. They're, they're actually really the the middle four. So both defensive linemen in the middle. Obviously, you got you got Ingram and you've got. Uh, what is it? Joey Bosa coming off the off the edges, but their interior defensive linemen. I love Jerry Tillery. I thought that was a really good pick for them last year. But still, I mean. Denzel Perryman's a long, long ways away from here. They went out and got Kenneth Murray, a chase and, a chase and tackle kind of guy, not a, the best, uh, like, high awareness, and he's going to have a lot of deficiencies in coverage this year. But that – I love their secondary. Absolutely love their secondary. Getting Chris Harris Jr. to come in. They still have Desmond King. They still have Casey Hayward. They still have uh, – Den- uh, what's what's his name? The uh, James. Derwin James. That's it. Thank you. I wanted to say Nazir Denzel Adderley. for some reason. Yeah, Nazir Adderley, a, a guy that I really liked that I thought the Broncos should have drafted last year. Um, I, I thought the, the scheme fit with Vic Fangio was great there. That was just my personal opinion, but I, I like their I like that secondary a lot. 
Yeah, secondary is great. Uh, not a big fan of what they've done at linebacker. Not a big fan of their defensive line. Secondary, yeah, that's definitely a threat. Although I think Chris Harris is overrated and not as good as he used to be. No, but I agree with that. Many-wise, how many receivers do you think Broncos keeping? I think six. Six is t- pretty typical. I mean, you you know you got – let me see here. Colin Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and then – um. Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, and then one other one. I think that because of the special teams play, I really have a gut feeling that it's going to be um, Tyree Cleveland, but I wouldn't keep mind seeing um, – I, I think that Kendall Hinton can also make a push for it. I think that Deontay Spencer, KJ Hamler just kicked him off the roster. Yeah. The the thing that we keep seeing a lot of is the, the not wanting to have KJ Hamler returning punts and returning kicks and stuff like that. But you know what, guys, if you can get a dynamic football player with a ball in his hands like that, you have to do whatever you can to get him the football and let him return those punts. Yeah, it is a high impact position. It's I mean, obviously, punt returning, kick returning, stuff like that. But with kick returns in Denver, you're not seeing that. You're Like he's going to potentially return two or three kicks a year, if that. Now, punts, sure, I can see that, but even on punt return, it's not necessarily the huge high-impact stuff unless you fail to make the fair catch. It's not that super running, that running start from both sides where they're making that huge impact. It's a start and a stop, and yes, there is some pretty big hits, but still, being a punt returner, I mean, you watched Antonio Brown, who's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL at the time, return punts for the Pittsburgh Steelers for years. And look at where he – well, now he's got CTE because Vontez Perfect knocked his head off, but still. I mean, it wasn't because of returning punts, guys, I tell you that. So another question is, Darren P. comes in, do you prefer when we have more success or when we lose more games for scouting reasons? It really all depends on the year. I think that – I and I know I'm going to get a lot of ridicule for this and everything, but last year I would have rather seen the Broncos lose that game against Oakland than win it. It would have put them up at the 10th overall spot. I mean, it worked out for Denver – I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty here. It worked out. Denver ended up not having to move up for one of the top receivers. But there was a possibility at one point where all three of those receivers were gone by pick 15, whereas because they were expected to go and projected to go somewhere between 8 and 13. So that was a big thing there. I mean, you can't bet on that happening every single year. But with Denver getting as close they are, is I want to see more success now. Last year was one of the few years where I wanted to see them lose more games for scouting reasons. <laughs> but yeah, it's the, it, it all depends on what stage you're at in your rebuild or in your, in your path to being contenders. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. If if you are already out of the playoffs and there's no way for you to, to get it back into the playoffs or anything like that, if you're eliminated from that contention, I would prefer to lose as many games as you possibly can. And just because the higher the higher chance you get at the top of the draft, the higher chance you get of getting a true blue chip kind of a player. And the Broncos desperately needed that. Yes, they lucked out and got Judy, but still at the same time, lose as many games as you can after you uh, get out of playoff contention because that's the best way to improve your roster is picking high in the draft. Yeah. All right, guys. And real quick, I just want to address this. Cleveland will be a practice squad player. He very well may be. Yeah. The reason why I have him as that sixth one is because what he can do as a gunner and a returner as well, as well as other special teams duties that he can have. When you're looking at your number six receiver, you're looking at special teams. You're, I mean, your four, five, six receivers. That's what you're looking for. And Cleveland at Florida was a very underrated special teams player. That's the reason why I have him as a number six. That that might be able to push him onto the roster. I 
just don't see it with other guys there. Well, Vinny P coming in and kind of agreeing with you on that with just the special teams aspect as a returner there. Instead, he says uh, Philip Lindsay as running back two can return the kicks. Honestly, that's the Tyree Cleveland position right there. Let Hamler return the punts and let Tyree Cleveland come out and be that that kick returner. Use that special teams prowess that he has. And like you says, uh, more speed at the gunning positions and getting guys down the field a little bit faster as far as your coverage units goes. Because the Broncos coverage units with Tom McMahon have been atrocious. Uh, even before then. Oh yeah, even before then. But still, that that special teams unit, as far as the coverage aspect goes, has been awful. And getting more speed, guys that can get down the field and make those tackles quickly. Tim Patrick, yeah, he's a great special teams player. Deshaun Hamilton does pretty good as far as a special teams player goes. But if you can get more speed than both of those guys, because they are both limited in that aspect of their game, Tyree Cleveland can be a huge boon for this Broncos roster. It really can. Yeah, and I see a lot of people saying that. Fangio said, I mean, I get Fangio said he likes Spencer returning punts. That's great. Fact of the matter is you have 53 players who can make the roster. You got to bring what offers up the most ability to the most versatility to your team. Deontay Spencer doesn't do that. He was replaced by KJ Hamler with what he can bring on the offense. And then Tyree Cleveland or many, any one of these other players really can sit there and bring what he brings on as a return man. I don't see that him being able, being just a punt returner, or a kick returner being enough to keep him on there because he doesn't offer up gunner versatility. So there's none of that now. So it's just like, what's it going to be? And as for the 55, it isn't really 55. What it is, is it's still 53 men, and then they can pull up two players from the practice squad to be part of the roster for a game day. It's not a 55-man roster. still 53, which is two guys being part of the roster on game day. Yep, and, and they're at, they're activating what is now forty eight guys, I believe. Yeah, so those, yep. And then and then one of those players actually has to be an offensive lineman. They're making sure that the teams are bringing in another offensive lineman. Yep, there you go. All right, guys. I got to get going here. Uh, we are running a little bit long here, so I'm going to wrap the show up here. Thank you all once again for joining the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast. You can follow the show at DVDD underscore pod. You can follow me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, make sure you guys, once again, following at Mile High Huddle. If you're on Twitter, reach out to us, guys. Seriously, reach out. I follow back for the most part anyways. But reach out at Mile High Huddle, instant breaking news, analysis, updates, film breakdowns, and stuff like that on your Denver Broncos. It's the easiest way. Again, yes, Bawana jumping in here, the mayor of the YouTube community. Everybody, leave a like. We had some great content on grading players. Remember to read the articles at milehighhuddle.com and at Huddle Up Pod to get your gear. Get your merch, guys. Seriously, get your merch. That, that Dove Valley Deep Divers hat is actually pretty slick. I like that a lot. I got one on the way right now. Uh, the mugs are a great way to get your day started. Yes, they are. And also, to finish off your night, make sure you guys are always watching at 6 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. The, the Huddle Up Podcast Network goes live every single night. Now, before we get out of here, Eric, any last words? Because, here, Lance will be gone tomorrow, just so you all know. Not sure what we're going to talk about, but Chad Jensen will be joining me for Dove Valley Deep Divers tomorrow. Because I didn't want Nick and Carl. No. <laughs> that's actually, actually kind of true. I didn't want Nick and Carl, because then I'd have to run the whole show, and I don't like doing that. But, no, it's, it's going to be Chad joining me tomorrow. It's going to be a fun conversation. Hope you guys are there for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, we're going to – so I'm going down to see my folks, and our plans kind of changed a little bit. We're going to go up on the mountain. I'm not going to have any kind of service or internet to do the, the show, so Chad's going to fill in for me. I appreciate that. I know. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm terrible at this. But anyways, guys, once again, thank you all for joining the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all stay safe, take care, and have a great evening. 
You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.